0: Taken slightly further back, and Gates are complaining about that. Well, that makes a change. Sheedy again goes for the other side. Brilliant, absolutely
1: brilliant. And welcome to a brand new podcast dedicated to all things '80s football, a time before the glitz and glamour of the Premier League, when a tackle was a tackle, back passes killed time, and mullis reigned supreme. We'll delve into the footballing archives and look back on the top moments of that decade. There'll also be some music and a look at the headlines that dominated at the time. So sit back, relax and join us on this 80s football odyssey. Right, welcome to this first episode of the 80s football podcast. Shida goes for the other side. Um got Mr Patrick Burt with me. Pleasure to be here, Mr Stanwith. Excited? Um, a fellow '80s aficionado.
0: Yes. Um, you did like a bit of '80s music, didn't you? Yeah, but what, yeah. Who, do, who doesn't? To be fair, you know, there's nothing better than uh, club Tropicana back at the Leadmill when that was uh, when that used to oh, be a thing. I'm nice. used to be able to do things like that. You know, ride right up there is uh, one of the best nights in Sheffield. But yeah, we'll be back one day.
1: Every or oh, was it every month? Uh, the uh, Leadmill would. Host uh, an eighties night called Thursday night. Thursday night. Thursday nights. Yeah, um, I would have been to a couple myself, but um, Halloween wasn't it? Halloween. Was oh there. yes, this of particular Highlight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they they really went to town on the eighties. They pushed the boat out that night. Oh, big time. But anyway, how are we? Good, Honestly.
0: yeah, good. Just uh, been out for me. Been out for a nice walk there. Had a bit of a busy, busy, of a busy week with uni, um, which is all good. But nice, nice to break to look forward to now. Uh, got out in some fresh air on such a beautiful South Yorkshire evening, uh, and excited to talk about
1: some footy. How about you? Absolutely. Well, I'm the same. I mean, I have to say the uh, the weather is actually quite un sheffield like. Yes. Um,
0: well, temperature-wise, it's very Sheffield-like. To yeah. Not as it? <laughs> yeah. it's a bit of a, a slightly deceiving, but
1: it is. But it's uh, for once quite sunny. Yeah. Uh, so we'll take that. It'll well,
0: it lift your mood, doesn't it? When, uh, when you got when you got blue skies like that.
1: Absolutely. I mean. If you go from zero to ten when the sun comes out. Um
0: yeah, I mean when you think of the eighties, what are, what springs to mind for you? Well you go off, I guess you go off the stories you've you've been you've, you've been brought up on, I guess, from um your mum, your dad, grandparents, that sort of thing. Um Thatcher, I mean from Mersey side, I think it <laughs> prize for guessing kinda of what my what my and my family's perspective is on on air. Um and kind of I guess from from more football but from more football's perspective, it's Everton, isn't it? Because obviously they're kind of Yeah, people like our dad's generation, for example, they grew up watching that Everton team of the eighties, which was perhaps the greatest team in the club's history. Um perhaps one of the greatest teams in English football history. So kind of all all those sort of stories um kind of a lot, obviously a lot lot going on um, domestically and internationally uh in the world of politics and that sort of thing in the 80s so it was a it was a busy time to say the least and it's good it 's good that we um we 've obviously got the chance to um to look back on it and provide our perspective because obviously we weren 't there so we can 't necessarily provide a contemporary perspective um but I guess as two people who've got a very keen interest in, in what went on that decade you know it might be interesting to give our perspectives on on what on what was going on then
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's such a fascinating decade, and we we both study, or have studied history at, um, at university, so um, we've got a decent foundation in history, and we both covered the Cold War, so we would have looked at the 80s quite in depth at that point. Yeah. But, I mean, so if you start at the, right at the start of the decade, um, 1980, there's inflation, um Thatcher's first year uh, recession, Uh, it wasn't looking so great, was it? Um, Especially in 1981, when uh, obviously we've got the Toxteth riots, we've got the Brixton riots all over the country. First time that um, CS gas was fired uh, on mainland Britain. It was
0: in the uh, riots. I didn't didn't know that. that, Was that in the the Toxteth Toxteth riots? Yes, that was in the Toxteth riots. Yeah, I didn't know that, I have to say.
1: Um, if anyone's ever watched Howards Way, there's a fascinating little bit with uh, Neville Southall, and he signed for Everton during the Toxus riots, and he was being carted through Liverpool when it was all on fire. Um, and he, he, yeah, he said, "Is this what they do for every player? that they set the city on fire?" <laughs> but yeah, really quite volatile time politically, yeah, to say the least, to say the least. Um, but you complement that with some fantastic tunes and one of them being Ghost Town by the Specials Yes. at that point. Um, you know, quite like it sums up the mood of the nation mm. at that point. You know, no jobs to be had. Um, the situation looked pretty bleak, as I think, at that point. Yeah,
0: agreed, very much, John. Um Kind of, again, I wouldn't trade too much into politics because it's Friday night, you know, we yeah. I'm sure we've all got, more, uh, all got more positive things to be talking about, but you kind of, um, you look at sort of, I'll call, yeah, I'll call it the ideological agenda that the fractured government was imposing on the country. Um, yeah, from a from a very very, very early stage, or the I guess the fabrics of working class identity, working class solidarity were, were targeted, weren't they? Um, and I guess obviously, kind of football um, was kind of I guess an important, out, a particularly important outlet for, for a lot of people during this. You know, kind of brought a lot of joy in what was a very difficult time for a lot of people.
1: Absolutely. I mean, especially the um probably the industrial towns, they mm. their football clubs enjoyed quite a bit of success mm. in the 80s. Or towns that had an industrial past anyway, because yeah. I suppose at that point the uh, industry was crumbling a little bit, but um that was a fascinating time in British society. Um and as you move further through the decade you get you know the uh, the effects of Thatcherism uh Really starting to hit on. Yeah. Um I mean by I think probably mid eighties you've got the um the, the divide's growing quite uh, rapidly between north and south and it's growing uh disquiet amongst uh many in like northern towns and industrial towns in the Midlands as well, uh, who are unhappy with the uh the situation they find themselves in. We'll just quickly mention the um, Derek Hatton saga of course, because he was very closely connected uh, exactly. with Yeah, football. you can't not mention it, can you? Um, so obviously, a uh, by-product of Thatcherism was um, the hard left going in um, and being voted into Liverpool City Council in 85, I believe. Uh, or, no, sorry, 84. Um, and he was obviously interlinked with football. He uh, had a close association with Everton Football Club um, mm-hmm. and uh, was often seen drinking out, drinking with the players on Friday nights and uh, yeah, interesting, interesting bloke
0: Yeah, very, very interesting bloke And um, kind of probably you do well to find find a more a more divisive figure. And um, I guess kind of, um, both both at home, but so obviously at, at home in Merseyside. Um, and I guess kind of he was, um, very much brought to national prominence, was he? Uh, wasn't he? Um, so yeah, kind of. Every, I suppose he's one. He's one of them. Everyone's got their, everyone's got their opinion, and everyone's got their opinion on him. And it's yeah, it's a fascinating, a fascinating time. I guess from a from a historical point of view.
1: Absolutely. So his uh, policy was to go deliberately into the red, uh, which was illegal at the time. Uh, I think it probably still is. So the uh, Liverpool City Council was planning on spending, obviously, more than it was taking in, uh, in order to alleviate what was pre- a pretty dire situation. Mm-hmm. Um, there were no real jobs to be had. You ask anyone at that time. Um, they really struggled to find work. You know, the docks are closed. And, uh, yeah, it was the perfect breeding ground for politics. Um, a little support from the yeah. central government as well. Absolutely. All but abandoned. Yes. The city. Um, of course, Thatcher's famous memo. Um, or oh, sorry, it was. I believe it was Lord Howe and Geoffrey Howe. His famous memo saying uh, it's like getting water to run uphill um, sourcing the pullout so mm. uh, the managed decline. climb um, but and throughout the rest of the decade um, that continued really I think you're struggling to find um, a positive political aspect mm. to the decade but um, obviously that was complemented by great music and um, you know great great sport really
0: I guess you gotta look at it. you gotta look as well back home. Our people, our people stuck together. At that point, you know, kind of everything the the Tory government, the Thatcher government had to chuck at them, um, and yeah, kind of the sort that kind of solidarity back home remained intact. And you can kind of like you see it right the way through it, see it right the way through to today, don't you? Um, kind of obviously all the quote unquote scouts, scouts, scouts not English and you know, kind of that sort of stuff from um, from the city. Um, And yeah, I guess that's kind of, that's one source of solace you can take, kind of, that the city, Merseysburg as a whole, held firm against, held firm against, um, Factor, the Tories, wanting to continue to do that right the way through to this day. Absolutely. Um,
1: internationally as well, there's quite a lot going on. Obviously the Cold War probably reached the peak in 83, 84. Reagan. Um, Reagan obviously stoking tensions, yeah. Um, Of course, it's obviously been found out recently, of course, that um, there was almost uh, a very real possibility of nuclear war because um, I believe that one Soviet submarine ship, I I can't remember.
0: Is this the the episode where the satellite... Uh, or kind of the detection was, systems kind of detected something, and it turned out to be it turned out to be false. And there was kind of one commander or something who kind of took, took the executive decision not to not to go over strike. Is this is that the one? You're talking that's about? the right.
1: Yeah, that's the right one. It was a yeah. It, was, it came out recently because I think unfortunately passed away a couple of years back. But um, yeah, it it just
0: shows though how um, how high tensions were. I mean. Yeah. Um, Sport, kind of in the sporting field as well. Obviously, um, eight yeah, nineteen eighty Olympics uh, Olympic boycott over Afghanistan, um, eighty four over over the LA Olympics, which kind of um, interesting. Actually, was doing reading on this for a, kind of for a module in uni last term. Um, kind of the traditional, um, the traditional take on it is that it's, obviously it's kind of a, re- a revenge act um, for nineteen eighty, but kind of like a reevaluation re- of sort of the evidence. Um, kind of the inner meetings of uh on the on the Soviet side of things from the time show kind of the, the factors were a lot more a lot more short term um and bringing that about but again it just I guess it shows um the relevant kind of the relevance of sport to, to so many people's lives and how kind of even conflicts like the Cold War can kind of play out through the field of sport. Absolutely
1: and a little close though of course we have the Falklands War, which some describe as a phony war. Um depending on how you wanna look at it, but mm-hmm. still quite a momentous um conflict, I suppose. Um, you know, there was a lot of jingoism, you know, a lot of Yeah. Um, words. Yeah. And uh, think a little bit distasteful at
0: points, but um, I think yeah, more than a little I think more than a little bit, but yeah. a, a understated,
1: Yes. Um but yeah, I think most weeks what we'll do, just uh, we'll have a different topic every week, and um, we'll just sort of dissect uh, what the big news of that week was, really, so, um, well, sorry, I should say year, um, not week, but, um, yeah, we'll basically just have a, a quick look, first of all, at uh, what was in the news, and then we'll go into um, the actual topic itself mm-hmm. um, just to provide a bit of, bit of context so, um, so yeah I mean moving away from politics and swiftly back onto football um, we're both out fans so the 80s was to begin with looking back uh, it doesn't make for a pleasant reading because it was Liverpool who continued to dominate as the uh, 70s turned into the 80s and mm-hmm. um, so, 1980, uh, the first season of the 80s. That was a uh, pretty dire one for anyone with a blue shirt on. Uh, Everson finished 17th. Um, they were not too. F- they were pretty safe, but, again, not a million miles from relegation uh, under Gordon Lee. Uh, meanwhile, Liverpool are sweeping all aside and um, winning that particular season's title. However, um they, they found themselves um, being knocked off their perch for a brief period in the next season when there was an unlikely title race, um, of course, involving Ipswich Town and mm. Aston Villa. Now, Aston Villa, of course, are a big club. Um, by that point, they'd won uh, six titles, um, most of which had come in the early part of the 20th century. Mm. Uh, but nevertheless, they were still a big, 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 big club. institution, aren't they? Absolutely, um, and themselves and Ipswich, who enjoyed a good spell under Bobby Robson, mm. um, he'd been there since the late 1960s, um, and were established them, themselves as a force to be reckoned with. Uh, yeah, it was in was a very
0: good side, weren't
1: you? 80s football. Absolutely, you look at the likes of um, Kevin Beattie, Alan Brazil. You know, there's a very good squad there and uh, all yeah. under the stewardship of uh, Bobby Robson mm. who, uh, when you look back, he really did wonders. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I I can't say there's been a more successful Ipswich manager in history. I think I would, probably um, the only person who comes close is George Burley. Um, he was a player, of course, under Robson. Uh, he guided uh, Ipswich to the UEFA Cup of course mm. and um
0: straight after promotion
1: that season, yeah. That was back uh, in two thousand and one. Um and then in the following season they obviously played the likes of Inter, um who at that point had Ronaldo mm-hmm. um in their ranks. So um but anyway we digress. Uh, a fantastic side nonetheless and yeah. uh, they pushed Villa all the way but ultimately uh Villa won out that season in nineteen eighty one. Uh, fantastic so side again. Was that
0: the, that the first one after the war for Villa? First I title believe the so. Yeah. Because uh, they went, no, they went down. They went out dropped as far as a third tier for a bit in the seventies. Yeah, and um, did. then so they kind of definitely had a bit of a lull. Um, but kind of, yeah, as we said, they are um, one of the, one of the big clubs. Like I guess um, in the country from the, from the second city, if you want to call it that. Yeah. And um, um, yeah, you know, obviously, kind of back back on top after after decades of waiting.
1: I mean that's a it's a great point though that you make. Uh because they they really were in the doldrums in the seventies. Mm. And you know, when you look at it, it when you look at it, it was such a meteoric rise, wasn't it? Mm. Um so it was remarkable in itself that it took such a short short space of time for them to actually win the first division. Um eighty two, Liverpool, uh back on top. Um again pushed all the way at Ipswich Town um, yeah, we're going away no but unfortunately that was to be their last season challenging at the top as Bobby Robson left um, to take the England job um, which sadly marked the uh, beginning of the end for Ipswich's golden period mm. um, 83 Liverpool again dominant and um, Bob Paisley left at the end of that season and was replaced by Joe Fagan um, who guided Liverpool to a third consecutive First Division in 1984 um, and at that point it was difficult to see them being dislodged. Mm. However, Graeme Souness, um, he's, I wouldn't say Graeme Souness is a, is a popular figure uh, on, on this table um, yeah, think much fair to say. But nonetheless, um, kind of have to concede that he was probably quite good. Um, but he seemed mm. to be the catalyst for that Liverpool side, and um, his departure to Sampdoria um, left a, a bit of a void to be
0: filled, gaping hole in the yeah. in the midfield. Kind of, you know, a player, player like Callum, a player of that ilk. You know, um, it's hard. It, you know, it's probably. Um, I think. The driving force of any of any good team is its central midfield. You know, you got a really strong base in central midfield. Um, I think that, that, that's, the, that's the driving force behind having having a great having a great team. Um, so yeah to lose a player, lose a player like um, soon as It's it's a big blow. However, we might think of him uh, some of the things he says on punditry. <laughs> <That> yes, <is. laughs> um, certain
1: interesting comments, shall we say uh, on Sky Sports. Um, but nonetheless, his departure really did uh, leave a massive hole in Liverpool midfield, which they struggled to fill um, in the next season as uh, neighbours from across Stanley Park um, Everton stole the title from them um, in 1984-05 season, which is regarded as the club's greatest ever season, without a doubt. Yeah, And um, it was nice to certainly knock Liverpool well and 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 truly as well uh, emphatically in the end 13 point lead at the
0: top Um, yeah just some turn around isn't it it's fantastic
1: I mean that Everton side was uh, as you said earlier perhaps one of the greatest in um, Premier League history and what we were talking about just just now about the importance of a midfield I think Everton's success that season you could you could see that that midfield uh, it was quite phenomenal you know, in the centre, you had the um, you know dogs of war mentality of mm-hmm. Peter Reid, who could play a bit as well. Um, next to him, you had Paul Bracewell, who was arguably one of the finest footballers, probably one of the underrated. Under-rate, I was going to say under-rate, yeah, very underrated, yeah, underrated. football. There's a video clip of him playing against Sunderland, which is arguably one of the finest performances from him in that season. Uh, Sun at this point not a bad side mid-table come to Goodison and uh, Everton ought to get a win just to get the. I think they had a little sticky spell and then they needed that win to get them back on track Mm. and they certainly did Um, despite going 1-0 down found themselves um, 2-1 up when Paul Bracewell played an outstanding ball from the halfway line towards almost the corner flag where Trevor Stephen picked up and subsequently Finished off, um, but yeah, that goal in particular highlights the brilliance of Paul
0: Bracewell, really mm, Yeah, absolutely. Um kind of yeah, no, I, I, as you say, kind of the, the midfield. um uh, no, that was a midfield. That um, I guess you know, <laughs> you, you talk about the dogs of war. You know, kind of it, it would go to war for each other. Kind of it would, it would back each other up on the pitch. Um I'm trying to remember the exact clip. There was a clip, wasn't it, of uh, of Reedy on how on Howard's way. But um, he played. were he play, playing Sheffield Wednesday? Yeah, uh, I can't. I can't. I can't remember the exact specifics of the clip. Um, it was. It was Sheffield but yeah, Wednesday. I yeah. think whoever it was, um, was it was it Adrian Eath? Adrian um, Eath, who got done. Um, and well, yeah, kind of. Uh, I think Reezy made sure there was um, retribution. retribution. Retribution, put it that way. Um, you probably. Yeah, well, you wouldn't get away. You wouldn't get away with it nowadays. But kind of that. Was, I guess that was how it was then, wasn't it? Yeah. That was just—I mean—that that team as a whole—that was—it was a collective, wasn't it? It was um, a, a gang of brothers, you know. I've have I've heard the term before. Um, kind of, it was a team that was just um, had eleven very good players who they played across the park and together they just made it. Just an un- unbelievable, unbelievable blend um, that propelled the club to some amazing success.
1: Absolutely. Unfortunately, the next season um, the Reds returned. Uh, to the summit, sadly, because uh, it all came crashing down for the blues um on a difficult night at Oxford, where everything just went wrong, uh, and from that point on the the just couldn 't find a way to get back on top, and uh, Liverpool stole in and nicked the title and the f a cup
0: was there a controversial game at Chelsea as well Liverpool about uh <laughs> I'm doing I want to delve into.
1: It. I think that's that could be the subject of the entire episode. To be honest with you, um, but no, we're, I not, think we're not bitter. We're not at all. No. Too out to of play. That
0: would be. <laughs> I've just spoiled the next year. Sorry. <laughs> well,
1: as Paddy's gone, uh, to suggest we did see back off them in eighty seven. Probably not as not a season that's of, as fabled as. Um,
0: Eighty-five. I, I think. I think. I think it's Ashford it? not to be not to be deemed up there because kind of after the disappointment of the previous season, um obviously kind of a few changes in in playing personnel. And um, I think to yeah to come to come back and win it, Um come back and win it again. You know, showed showed that eighty-five wasn't wasn't a, wasn't a flash in the pants You know what I mean? Um, and it showed that, and I think it kind of just underlined, um, it underlined just how good that team was. And you think kind of that's. Eighty-seven is the last time, and the last time I haven't won the league. Um, so yeah, I think it's uh, obviously can. I mean, there's no doubt. Eighty-five, 85 was um, the better season, perhaps the best in the club's history. But yeah, I think it's um, kind of yeah. I I agree. they really probably do get under um, underplayed in terms of the significance um, in in that era for the club.
1: Definitely. Unfortunately, that would be the last, as you said, last title. Evan would win. Um, Liverpool reassumed top spot again in the '88 uh, season, and um, at that point it looked pretty unstoppable. Um, you know, they had quite a team. Um, they'd rebuilt. Um, Kenny Dalglish was now uh, in the hot seat, um, and yeah, they were just a dominant force. Mm. Um, Obviously, that season, um, I think I don't think anyone came close to Liverpool really in '88. Um, but um, a bunch of kids from North London um, would steal the title at the last minute from them. Um, so George Graham's Arsenal. Um, George Graham had assembled a fantastic team. Mm. Um, you know. A young side, a young, hungry side, it got rid of a lot of older pros who on paper were probably better players, so the likes of Charlie Nicholas, Ken mm. Kenny Sampson, they were all shown the door. Whilst uh, youngsters such as um, Tony Adams came through the um, academy system, um, but they also brought in players like Steve Bold, Nigel Winterburn, uh, Lee Dixon, they had a number of good, good players.
0: Yeah. And the platform was there for a number of years for Arsenal, then wasn't it? Kind of uh, obviously was with, with some of those names you mentioned, kind of right the way, um, right the way through the nineties, right the way up to I guess the start, start of the Wenger, start of the Wenger era. Kind of the platform was the platform was there for Arsenal to, um, because I think kind of through the eighties, uh, or certainly the, certainly the early early part of the eighties, I don't think Arsenal went, Arsenal weren't all that way. They, they weren't re- they weren't really there in terms of like competing at the very top. Um, so yeah, kind of that that teamy assembled kind of put them back, um, put them back kind of in that bracket um, in in the decade that followed of um, of title contenders, I guess.
1: Absolutely, I think the closest they come to a title win uh, was when Aston Villa won it. They came third, I believe. Mm. Um, so you could see that really that was all down to you know George Graham's you know recruitment yeah and the quality of players that were out on that pitch mm. um of course you can't mention the 89 title not mention Mickey Thomas's goal um
0: you know literally the last kick of the ball just um i think this i think it's going to i think there's going to be a debate sort for the rest of our lives now what would better aguero or uh, or mickey thomas but i just think kind of I mean, you look at some of the some of the stats. Arsenal oh, had absolutely no right to go there and win two nil. Can Liverpool's home record was just formidable. No one, no one went. No one went to Anfield and won for year, for years.
1: Let alone score two goals. Yeah,
0: let alone score two and not and not concede. So for that team to do it, for that team to do it under the pressure, um under the pressure of that night, I think it was just yeah, incredible and just. I guess you know you, you always say you'll, you, you always say you'll never see any, you'll never see anything like that ever again, um, and then obviously what 20, 25 years later you get another crazy another crazy title decider, yeah. Uh, obviously different circumstances, not even, it's not like the top two going head to head, but still just <laughs> just a, just amazing, isn't it's it? It's
1: incredible. I mean, just for context, when you consider the games leading up to that, I think Arsenal bottled the chance to claim it mm-hmm. uh, when they. Lost to Wimbledon, and then drew to Derby. Um, meanwhile, Liverpool, I think, thrashed a decent West Ham
0: side, mm-hmm. yeah. five nil. Um, and uh, psychologically, you must be thinking the the chance has gone, hasn't it? You know, uh, you know we're gonna you know we're gonna have to play some game. Liverpool are gonna have to be off it, and we're probably gonna have to have a bit of luck, and um, you know, to go to go to Anfield and do it, um, and kind of yeah, obviously with with the setbacks in the back of your mind, just kind of. It was just just incredible, just incredible, really, wasn't it? Unbelievable,
1: but they did it. Um, John Barnes, famously um, going for goal.
0: I, 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 I'm the one thing, when I, whenever you say it back, I just I don't, I don't understand it. Uh, honestly, you know, if he goes, to, if he goes to the corner, for like the game, the game's up. I just, yeah. I just, uh, I, um you know, I, I appreciate kind of a uh, you know John Barnes, fantastic player. Uh, I guess wanted to wanted to, wanted to crown it off perhaps, uh, but you look at it. You look at it back now. <laughs> just
1: what do you think? I mean, unbelievable! Unbelievable! And when goalkeeper Arsenal's keeper uh, John Lukic mm. throws the ball out to Lee Dixon, it's a good throw as well. by the way It's a very good throw.
0: Um, so Aldridge uh, done an interview recently. Didn't? Uh, well, I don't know how recent it was. But kind of uh, afterwards, anyway. He said that was kind of that was his biggest regret that he didn't just he didn't take what he didn't take whatever whatever he had to do, whether it was booking or whatever. <laughs> Uh, and just stop that ball going on. Stop that ball going on.
1: Again, John Aldridge probably isn't, again, the most popular <laughs> person at this table. So um, that gives a little bit of pleasure knowing that. Um, not, a bad, not a bad striker, but not our favourite. We'll, we'll, we'll say that. Um, but nonetheless, ball gets played by Lee Dixon up to, I believe, Alan Smith, who does an incredible pivot Plays the ball through to Michael Thomas. I've been, I've watched the '89 um, documentary, the Arsenal document Really good. Uh, definitely would recommend a watch. Um, and he does this incredible pivot, and it gets played through to Mickey Thomas. And all the Arsenal players at that time said, "He, you know, he could have fallen asleep on a washing line. He was so laid back." Um, and you could see there's so much composure. Mm. And he would missed a chance earlier in the yeah. game. He missed a guilt edge chance. Um, anyway, he just breezes through, and you. I think it's Steve Nickel comes charging in, but just as he's about to make the tackle, Michael Thomas just flicks it into the corner. Yeah, we,
0: kind of waited for them. Um, Will have still we're grab-la, grab-la Yes, on, it would have been. And kind of yeah, just um, just kind of wait, kind of try. Obviously, tried to try to suss him out. And we kind of obviously he was one on one. Was he was gonna he was gonna blink first. Um, and to be fair to Mickey, Mickey Thomas kind of he he bided his time and um grubble grubble first and he uh, obviously kind of just just a bit of lift on it was enough to put it into the into the opposite corner from from the way he was going
1: absolutely and of course you got to think about the uh, the kits um from the 80s some iconic kits mm. um that have stood the test of time
0: yeah yeah
1: so you got of course uh you know, Crown Paints um, was a mainstay of Liverpool. Liverpool's kit, I think, late eighties really. Uh, and then prior to that, you yeah, had Hitachi, did that, didn't you? Mm. Yeah, uh, late seventies, early eighties, was Hitachi for mm. Liverpool. So um, someone I liked the Chelsea Commodore shirt.
0: Uh, trying to trying to picture that one.
1: Um, so you got the likes of Pat Nevin in it,
0: um, yeah. I think yeah, got um, yeah. I think another one. Yeah, I think one, one. You mean? And of course we got uh, Um Yeah, the the ones are just um, just like just iconic, aren't they? Yeah. Like, obviously, kind of the success that's so associated with them as well. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, I I still don't know what um half what what Hafnir did. No, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, oh yeah, oh, yeah, I, okay, yeah, that is. Uh, Chelsea blue,
1: um, but honestly, uh, that near and NEC kit; those two were really are iconic. Um, but I mean, of course, the, the kit that probably stands out from the late eighties is the Wimbledon kit. I would say mm, for me, yeah, good shout. The Carlsberg Wimbledon kit, which brings us nicely onto the FA Cup success. Um, so we'll start. It's not a very chronological start, but we'll start at 88.
0: Yeah, it was just, mad, just Lamar, a landmark event in the competition's history, isn't it?
1: So you consider Wimbledon were still pretty much playing out of a non-league stadium in Plough Lane. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that was ridiculous. The teams hated playing there. Um, can, you imagine, can you imagine, though, the freezing changing rooms, barely any modern amenities... Yeah, it must have been horrific.
0: Just uh, well, it was a kind of it was a, a pretty swift rise, wasn't it, for the um, for the club? From um, it was only in the seventies, wasn't it? They joined the um, joined the fo- joined the football league, and obviously had an astronomical rise, kind of through the um, through the, through the divisions, and then yeah, kind of um, plough lane plough lane on a cold December <laughs> day. I think there's there's places I'd rather be. As, as a player,
1: certainly. I mean, bankrolled by. The um, should we all go charismatic? Um, Sam Herman, mm. um, who was as much of a part of the team as uh, as anyone, yeah. Um, I believe, um, he would take penalties against uh, goalkeeper Dave Besant, and everyone that Dave Besant say he give Sam Herman would give Dave Besant 500 quid, so <laughs> <laughs> that was the type of bloke he was, anyway. But, um, but yeah, no, it's a uh, Incredible club, the they, the crazy gang is.
0: They are called a, the crazy for gang a, for a reason. Yeah, oh, there's the uh, there's the Anfield story, isn't there? Of, uh, obviously, what they've done to the, what they done to the sign at Anfield. Should we ever maybe discuss that? Um, yeah, so obviously you got the, the this is Anfield side kind of uh, sign um, in the tunnel at Anfield, kind of everyone in football knows it's kind of I guess it's one of, um, it's one of the most one of the most iconic um, iconic walkouts uh, in football. Um, Wimbledon being the crazy gang, um, someone decided to just scribble bo- uh, the word "bothered" over over the this over the, this Anfield side uh, sign, and I think they went there and want to go going and win two one. I believe so, something yeah. Like that, um,
1: um, they did get hammered one season. I think that was the season where they um, won the FA Cup, but I think the season after they uh, they, they did that, yeah. Um, who, any
0: guesses to that? Might be? I mean we, we don't know. <laughs> but who would I mean it could be any one of them it could be any one of them really just
1: my um, guess is uh, Vinny Jones <laughs>
0: <person>. <laughs> um, kind of um, Dennis Wise Dennis Wise. Be, it could have yeah. been just it could have been uh, you know they just that's a, that sort of team that sort of team when you know as, as, as you say crazy gang were called the crazy gang for no reason
1: exactly so going back to the start of the decade 1980, uh, West Ham beat Arsenal uh, in one of Trevor Brookings' uh, final games, I think, for the club. Mm-hmm. Um, Martin Allen is a, the youngest player to play in the FA Cup final, is 17 it? years old. that's uh, that That's tough that, No, I don't well, think well, it does, well, but it at the time good. it was a record. Um, and he was actually clean through on goal before he got absolutely wiped out by, I can't remember which Arsenal defender it was, but he got absolutely wiped out. It was only a yellow card, um, <laughs> but um, really, even then, it would have been sent off because mm. last last file. foul. Um, but yeah, of course, eighty-one. We've got the iconic Ricky Villa final, in which Spurs beat Man City.
0: Yeah, over, Yeah, the I famous think famous one
1: isn't it? Ricky Villa, obviously, uh, one of two Argentines um, who. Came across to England at a time where Argentina obviously weren't particularly popular amongst Brits, but uh, nonetheless they um, they made their mark. And uh, Ricky Villa obviously fondly remembered for his goal. He didn't settle quite as well as Ozzy Ardiles and uh, ultimately went back to um, went back to Argentina quite swiftly. But Ozzy Ardeelas stayed for a while and. Um, they'd win it again in 82 yeah. uh, Spurs they'd have to beat QPR uh, in a replay um, so back in those days you know, retaining the FA Cup was quite something big, yeah
0: big thing uh, and I think there was kind of there's a, quick, there's a quiz question from around then isn't it um, I can't, can't remember exactly how it goes but I think it's something like fill in the blank and it's Sunderland blank Villa and it's uh, obviously um, some, um, kind of obviously Ricky Villa scored the winner in eighty one. Uh, yes, eighty one. Uh, Sunderland. I can't whose name? First name? I can't remember. He must, must have scored. Alan. Alan, Alan Sunderland. Sunderland yeah, that, um, must have scored the winner in seventy nine. Um, yeah, it was it was Tra- Trevor Brooking in nineteen eighty, wasn't it? So kind of that's the that's obviously the quiz the quiz question. Absolutely. Bit of a, bit of a rubbish quiz, quiz question. It, it, <laughs>
1: nonetheless, i I'd, I'd, I'd appreciate a quiz like that. Um, of course. The next season, uh, Brighton, little old Brighton, go mighty close.
0: Yeah, minutes away, really.
1: Literally minutes away. Um, so, obviously, they really should have won the first, like Peter Jones, I believe, uh, should have scored in extra yeah. time. Um, but sadly, their efforts uh, were in vain because in the next, and replay, mm. uh, in the next game, Man United won four um, nil. Brian Robson bagging a brace in that one, um, but they went pretty close, Brian. Another quite, quite some run to the final. I think I'm sure we will cover that one, of course. Yeah. In a later episode, eighty four, the Blues lift the first trophy since
0: nineteen seventy. Yep, much, much much nearer was that.
1: Yeah, um, made Elton John cry. Before before the game, um, when he sang a bar with me, <laughs> uh, the next year wasn't so great though. Um, yeah, lost yeah. one nil to Manchester United. Just
0: kind of, um, yeah, just denied us. But you know, a, a historic treble, historic treble, didn't it? Um, cool. Yeah, Norman, Norman Whiteside with Norman Whiteside with a, a great, uh, just a just a great goal, a great goal, wasn't it? You know, yeah, he went uh, on to join Everton, of course, in yeah. the late eighties. I mean. Was being on the aisle all week coming back from Rotterdam uh, coming back down. I can't I can't imagine what was about. Wasn't conducive um, to uh, a <laughs> good game of football, was it? Um but no, just I mean just some I mean even obviously again I'm sure we'll go on we'll go into this kind of later on in a, in, a, in another episode, but kinda of even the even the runter kind of the final just summed that team up didn't it? Um, just had quality never, never knew and it was beaten up, kind of all, all that sort of stuff that made that made it such a memorable time. Absolutely, yeah, thank
1: it was. It really was. And the next season, uh, there'll be more Wembley heartache for Everton's, They uh, unfortunately uh, fell to a three-one defeat to Liverpool in the final. Um, you know, marking the end of a pretty disappointing season. You know, pipped to the post. So in close, the
0: yeah. So far,
1: and pipped to the post in the FA Cup. Um, you know, Liverpool, Liverpool's double could have quite easily been Everton's double, yeah. and. Um, you know, when you look at the side, I've Gary Lineker up front. It was uh, a fantastic side. Um, 87, of course, that was uh, a huge shock. Um, and it was, of course, Coventry City, little old Coventry City, who um, mm, who beat a very good Spurs side um, at Wembley.
0: Clyde uh, Allen was it the winner?
1: Yes, I believe so. Um you know, what a story that is. Uh oh and of course, so Clive Allen um opened the score with Spurs, uh, and then it was a Gary Mavot own goal in extra time that eventually won it uh for the sky blues. But a fantastic achievement for the club. Um eighty eight, of course, a crazy gang. Mm. Uh, quite a remarkable game, an eighty-nine, very poignant. Yeah, kind final
0: of the result was almost, of, almost about what was of secondary importance that day, wasn't it? It that really kind was. Of, um, the win, the win, I guess the win, the winner that day was 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 the, was the city, the city of Liverpool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was only right, really, that the Reds won that one. I suppose Um got no qualms with that one.
0: Um, and then, kind of in, in fitting. Kind of in, fit, in fitting in fashion as well because you know it was um, again no going to you know what a, a fanta- just a fanta- it was a fantastic cup final obviously Stuart McCall uh, Stuart McCall rescuing rescuing Everton late on um, taking it to extra time uh, and was it was it Aldridge or who Aldridge with the winner Yeah, I think it was extra time. Um, but yeah, kind of the, the the result was very much of kind of secondary importance. it was all about our the city came together after the, tra- tragic. the tragic events of the um, or oh, the semi of the semi final in April. Yeah,
1: really awful. Um, yeah, that semi final
0: really was a, a dark day for for football. Yeah, I remember, kind of like obviously everyone. I mean, obviously Everton beat um, Norwich apart. Um, it was Norwich or uh, Norwich o- Forest. Uh, it was it was Norwich a uh, bit uh, uh, Nottingham um, Forest. Oh, a, a Forest sorry, yeah. um, and obviously kind of. Um, yeah, but obviously you're free to the Epic cup final. You, you'd expect it and everyone who can, everyone who was there, just says it was the most somber, the most somber journey home I mean, you, you could you could ever imagine. knowing what had got, no what had gone on, um at Hills with that day, you know, kind it's really of awful. friends, family, friends, family, all, all there that day, um, and kind of just just a hot just a horrible. So you probably never see a more subdued subdued reaction to getting to the cup final because it was just yeah. awful, wasn't it?
1: really was um, you know when you consider that the fight's still going on and that justice still hasn't been served it's uh,
0: just scandal well just absolute scandal isn't it absolutely, yeah. just absolutely scandalous What no, happened.
1: it really was um, but nonetheless uh, we'll uh, take a look at Europe because that was, um, it was a, the 80s really was a decade or two when it came to Europe mm uh, first half it was an abundance of European glory. And second half couldn't compete in it. Um I mean the first half so you got uh Villa actually winning in eighty-two. Yeah. Uh, another remarkable achievement Peter With getting the winner, um and then obviously that was followed by uh Liverpool's success in eighty-four. But all, all of that was preceded by Knott's Forest uh Second European Cup, yeah, in 1981, beat Hamburg, yeah. Um, yeah, under the stewardship of uh, the ever charismatic Brian Clough.
0: Yeah, that was, that was just great. You now, kind of, can you can like you can't you can imagine a club like um, like <laughs> sorry <laughs> for yeah, for a club to for a club like Forest to come up from come up from the second division and um, obviously win, win the first division um and go on to win two, win two European Cups. I mean uh, <laughs> it's one of them you, know, you can't you can't you can't you can't imagine it happening now can you? No. Um so kind of just just an un- unbelievable unbelievable achievement. Um, and to do it to twice in Europe as well. Uh I like, proved, you know proving it was no no flash in the pan. And did they beat I mean this up did beat? was that the year they beat Liverpool in the first in the first round or was that, was that the first one? yeah, was, but I mean, even even then, you know, kind of to to beat Liverpool in Europe, obviously to to uh, win at the City Ground, and then kind of you know I to the cliches about Anfield, Anfield on a European, Anfield on a European, I like, kind of <laughs> you do uh, yeah. yeah, you, you Sick do, to the back teeth, yeah. <laughs> mm. Um but kind of but no, just, there's no getting away from it. It's not it's a, it's a it's a hard it's a hard place to go and go and do a job in a European tie. and Then obviously For, Forrest did it, Forrest did it that year and um, came home. Came 0-0-0, kind of not um, prob- probably probably the favourites, I wasn't it. So. Absolutely, yeah,
1: remarkable achievement. Um, sadly, that'll be last last uh, European Cup that Cluffy would uh, would win. Um, but a fantastic manager who yes. he was an ever-present fixture throughout the eighties. Perhaps a couple of dodgy moments when uh, he punched the fans, of
0: course. Yeah, I mean, I've, I mean. Um, I read, read, read a, couple, read a couple, of, um, couple of books on Clough, just uh, absolutely fascinating, int- intriguing, intriguing character.
1: Fantastic. I mean, I think I listened to John McGovern, who he basically followed around um, from club to club, and he said he'd, he would he will not go for a pint with him, <laughs> but he would run through brick walls. Rick yeah. really was a remarkable character, and uh, I the game's, he was certainly at a loss without his presence. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was quite remarkable. Of course, uh, all English clubs were banned from um, European competition '85. I haven't quite got time to go into that one for this episode, but um, that did mark the rise of cups such as the Simod Cup, Yeah. Uh, the, the Zenith Data Systems Cup, the All Members Cup. Yeah. I mean just making up names
0: as they're going along
1: and of course the um, secondary domestic cup competition the League Cup uh, that went through a couple of name changes in, mm. in the 80s So, um, went from just the League Cup to being sponsored by the Milk Board. Yeah,
0: the Milk um, the Worthington Cup that was it
1: uh, I believe it was the Rumbelows Cup the Rumbelows Cup uh, Rumbelows um you know, we were born in the 90s and uh, rumble to us is a bit of an alien term, yeah. so sort of explains, um, you know, how... It, I mean, I don't think anyone would... If you said to someone our age, oh, they won the the Rumblos Cup in 92, you'd think it was just one of yeah. those uh, myriad of yeah. cups that uh, the football league created to fill the void of uh, knowing European football. Um, but... You know, there was um, it was a big cup then. You know, yeah. you had some uh, smaller clubs winning it, like QPR. Um, but nonetheless, uh,
0: uh, Oxford did they win? Or did, the, did, uh, yeah. did they get to the final?
1: I'm sure that they um, they of course they did win it um, in '86. Beat QPR three nil. Um, I mean, they were, they were a decent side. Yeah, certainly. Um, so. uh,
0: that'll be when. Uh, That'll
1: be when Aldridge is there, won't it? Yes, yeah, that's right. Uh, obviously, the season after Arsenal uh, beat Liverpool. Then Luton Town beat mm-hmm. Arsenal in 88. Um, Luton, obviously, um, had just lost their, their manager, uh, David Pleat, mm. who had fired them to glory. He'd gone to Spurs the season prior, but nonetheless, they... Uh, Managed to uh, beat Arsenal yeah, on the uh, day. It was a, day. a
0: horrible place to go by all accounts, wasn't it? Um, as, as an away team, kind of, kind yeah, of weird. Oh, yeah. I then. imagine still is. Um, and well, I wasn't was there a ban on away? Was there a ban on away fans? It might well have um been, At some point, just because something. I, mean, I, I don't know the details, but kind of the, there was some sort of kick off um uh, I think they played Millwall in in, in a cup quarter final, um, and that was kind of the, that was kind of the final straw. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm pretty sure the away fans sort of got banned for, for a period after that from from Kenilworth Road and obviously the the plastic pitch as well oh yes um, of course which, which, um, which probably made it an even more um, tricky awkward sort of um, away flick during away fit the league or away tie in the cup. absolutely I mean you consider
1: it that it was a 3-2 victory over Arsenal that day um, but incredibly goalkeeper Andy Dibble won man of the match for Luton. Um, so that yes, for Luton. So tells you all you need to know. Arsenal yeah. had uh, turned the game on its head in the 74th minute when Alan Smith had um, put them ahead after um, certain Brian Steen had opened the scoring for Luton, but a goal from Danny Wilson um, put Luton uh, back on level terms before Steen then. Went on to get the winner.
0: What colour were Luton, what colour were Luton wearing that day? Because I always get confused as to whether Luton's main home shirt colour is orange or white. Because I've seen, I've seen I've seen them I've seen them in both.
1: It was white with they were white that day. Orange tops to the okay. shorts.
0: Yeah, they just um, yeah. I've seen them seen them in both Luton. Never quite sure what the what the traditional what the traditional uh, what the traditional one is. But I think in, I think they were in yellow. Uh, sorry, in orange for the past past few years, haven't
1: they? Yeah. I believe so that brings us on nicely to the uh, end of this week's show so um, thanks for being here Paddy um, yeah, yeah, thank, thank you that
0: was an enjoy- enjoyable way to spend uh, start start of the weekend off start at least break off just talking, uh, talking about the 80s footy, footy in particular so yeah enjoyed Absolutely.
1: that yeah. yeah, thank you very much for listening to this first ever 80s football podcast um, Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Plenty more to come in the uh, next few weeks. I think the next episode will be on Ipswich Town in the 80s. Um, But no, I really enjoyed that. And um, it was great to have a little reminisce about the 80s. I I weren't there. But nonetheless, it was great to just have a chat about, you know, non-pandemic times and... um, Times when Edison ruled the world, which we uh, will we, we love to be fair. Um, but yeah, thank you again for listening. And um, if you like it, then watch out for our next show, which will be coming out hopefully next for
0: Thursday or Friday,
1: maybe I don't know. Um, either one or two, but um, yeah, once again, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you soon.